All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and I'm your host. Our special guest is Cy Williams. Cy is the publisher and editor of the long-running monthly cannabis culture publication, High Canada Magazine, which is a free informational and educational printed magazine distributed at age-verified shops across Canada. Cy is also the publisher and editor of the monthly Psychedelic Canada Magazine and the quarterly High Europe Magazine. So from the mountains of Mission, British Columbia, Canada, Cy, how are you doing today? I am wonderful, Miguel. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, it's a, it's an honor to be here, and it's an honor to be talking to you today. I'm thankful for your time, man. Thank you very much. I know you're you're so Mission, the mountains of Mission, British Columbia. That's right outside of Vancouver. We we're just talking about this a little bit, but we were. It's um, it's about an hour and a half outside of Vancouver. Although with the with the traffic lately, it's about two hours out of Vancouver. It's beautiful. I'm up in the mountains. I'm surrounded by clouds and bears and trees and old trees too, like some beautiful old growth growth i think i have a waterfall i i not i think i know i have a waterfall about a click up the road called cascade falls which is beautiful and it's got one of those uh, uh chain um bridges that goes across a, like a, a crevice and you can look down at the waterfall pretty neat right pretty on, neat. i'm a city but i was a farm boy who became a city boy we decided I wanted to try the mountains and now I'm in love with living in the mountains. That's cool. I've always liked the mountains. I have never really had an opportunity to live in mountains, but I do love beaches too. Now here's one uh, thing that when we were chatting earlier, before we hit the record button, this is something that I was like, wow, really? And you, you, you spent a lot of your time in Toronto, right? I did. And I did. I moved there when I was in high school. I, um, I grew up in rural Manitoba and uh, spent a year or two in Winnipeg. And then my parents, we have, I have a big family, a big family. I, I'm one of nine All right. uh, children. Wow. And uh, my father and mom, my mom and dad, they decided that. Oh, you froze up a little bit there. All right, we had a small minor uh, technology glitch there, but I think uh, last time we left off, we we're right around 1985, right, Si? That's right. Um, my parents decided to move my family to Ontario in 1985, um, and my they, we picked up, and uh, like the Beverly Hillbillies, made our way across Canada from from rural Manitoba, and uh, and the, I loved Toronto for a number of years. I raised, I got married there, I raised my kids there, I worked and went to university there. Um, and I lived there a good, I think, 85 to, to, to uh, what year is it now, 20, to 2019. I moved to BC okay. in 2019. I fell in love with it. I, tra I, tra I had the opportunity to start traveling here for work for, um, uh, because Vancouver and British Columbia has been a hub of growing yeah. and, um, and cannabis for since the beginning. And it was the hub of uh, the legalization uh, fight and cries to the rallying cries. Uh, so I made sure I came out here. And the more I came out, the more I was like, wow, it's really beautiful out here. Wow, it smells so good all the time. Right. And not that, and I grew up, um, my family, uh, my kids and my wife and I, we, uh, my kids grew up in the shadow of the CN Tower down on the, off the Esplanade down in downtown Toronto. Okay. So I spent like decades, very, very urban. 
um, downtown all the time. You know, yeah. I didn't need a car because there was a subway and my kids, I walked my kids to school. They One went to the island school. So I'd walk my kids over to the ferry and then, you know, living under the shadow of the CN Tower. This, it's, it's really crazy living downtown in a small little community that's kind of nestled uh, with all this Bay Street business and towers and uh, so many things going on around it. But there's a few communities nestled into the downtown Toronto core. And uh, I think that eventually I got tired of the hustle and bustle because it's pretty hustly and bustly there. And BC really had its draw for me. Plus we have bears. That's, you know, <laughs> I, I see a lot, a lot of our friends and I just, I, so a lot of our friends are starting to take trips out to the Western United States to those states like Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, to see all the things that you're just talking about that you, you live in, in, in Vancouver, in the mountains of uh, Mission, British. I don't want to say Vancouver because you said it's two hours away, you know? Yeah, it's two hours away. We're like yeah, a, a, lot of people, a lot of people are going for that. They are. Um, they are. You know what? It's, I see more and more people uh, moving out of Vancouver because it's so expensive. Um, and hitting all these smaller cities it's not it's it's a lot like Ontario where you have like Toronto Mississauga Scarborough and you have all these communities that they've kind of amalgamated into one but in British Columbia it's not really like that it's more like fiefdoms so there's there's a there's so many little cities between me and Vancouver okay and if you look at it Vancouver is kind of small and then you have North Vancouver and Burnaby and 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 Richmond, and there's all these, and West New Westminster, and then it kind of goes out like that, and Surrey, Langley, Maple Ridge, and then there's another group of towns, and just keeps going out like that. And it's, people are spread out. Um, the highways are different than Ontario, I will say that. Uh, every time I go back to Ontario, I go on the 401, and I say a little prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Here, there's two lane highways everywhere, but there's insanely cool bridges. That's cool. And that's nice, man. That's not nice. see. I've I've been to Canada, I've been to Niagara Falls, and we had some friends growing up. I grew up in Michigan and we would go to London, Ontario and, and visit with them, that family over there. They were really fun and, and a good it's a good time. But I've never really seen the Western Mountains in the US or Canada. And I told Tim Barnhart that I was gonna come up to Tyendinaga. I think I said it right there. The Tyendinaga. Tyendinaga. And, uh, and hopefully by then the reciprocity on medical marijuana cards, just like firearms, would be established and I'd be able to go purchase some Mohawk Nation cannabis. Can I and not stop up in Vancouver the, um, and see you? <laughs> can I shout out the uh, Tyendinaga Mohawk territories for a yeah, second? Sure. We did. We um, we media sponsored the Indigenous Cannabis Cup this summer, and oh, our cool. Ontario editor Tammy Stanhope and uh, Jamie Kunkel, who does smoke signals out in the Tyndanaga, um, uh, uh, they um, they did the for uh, was it I think it was the fourth Indigenous Cannabis Cup. Next year's the fifth, and it was so amazing. And it is such if you've never had a chance to visit the Tyndanaga, what a sense of community, what cannabis has done for this particular community, I hold up uh, as media as a shining example of what cannabis can really do. It has turned a very small little community into a hub of cannabis for, for most of South southeastern Ontario. It right provides on. so many jobs. Um, there are 
40 plus stores. There have been as many as 80 stores in this in this area. And uh, people from a 200 kilometer circle visit the Thai and Denega to, to get involved in indigenous cannabis. And some of the stuff they're uh, growing and cultivating and, and offering to the, to the public uh, medicinally uh, uh, is just amazing. And that they've been able to entirely turn their communities around and act like this like ex leader and example within the Canadian uh, indigenous uh, uh, population has just been amazing what they've done and what they are doing and, and how they're leading by example. So I love those guys. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool because so so uh, you're you, you, I'll Tim's episode will publish a week after yours. Sweet, I like yeah. Tim. Tim uh, Tim's Tim's been a he is such a major person out in the Tyndanega, and there's some great leaders out there who have been really leading the charge. And I would say Tim Bernard is way you couldn't have chosen a better person to talk to about mm -hmm. how things go out there. Uh, he's been involved. He's really into testing, uh, yeah. I, I, and um, he gives back to his community a lot. We had uh, we had Danielle uh, who worked at uh, worked with him um, and did a story on uh, on that group maybe three or four three years ago. I remember, which was a lot of fun. Right but uh, try to get out there for the Indigenous Cannabis Cup. They always have like a ton of amazing bands, and it's like. Uh, what it's month a is great that? Great cannabis festival. That's in. It's in July of 2022. Okay, cool. It's, they've already announced the dates. Right, and that's <laughs> the fifth one, which is a big one. Now that sounds so, like something I could plan for. You know, I mean, that sounds like something I'd be like, yeah, I want to go to that. That sounds cool. Now, yeah, hey, now I gotta think. Fun. I got. It's funny. I gotta Every think. That, it's Sorry, <laughs> we're. You gotta remember, Tim's in the mountains of Canada, and I'm in uh, Largo, Florida. And we're doing this over the internet. So if you hear a couple of glitches, we're going to try to ride this thing out. Many major ones, we'll, we'll fix it up. Don't worry. But Absolutely. I must thank Sherry Bennett with Let's Talk Cannabis for hooking me up with you and Tim and a few other people too, because Sherry's pretty, she was on the, she was on the, we, we talked on the podcast uh, three or three, three or four weeks ago, maybe. And uh, she's got an amazing story from the very beginning. I was like, Whoa, okay. So this yeah, is, she does. This is she does. and Sherry and I go way back. We were doing some of the uh, small, smaller medical conferences together when things were really just getting going 2015, 2016. And Sherry holds a special place in my heart. We did a lot of events with, um, with my assistant editor at the time, um, Emmy, um, and I hold that time uh, really closely to my heart. Emmy, uh, she succumbed to mental health and committed suicide about uh, four years ago. And uh, it, it was Sherry was of great comfort to myself and to the um, to the other members of our our team when we we, we had that substantial loss. It was a real hard time in in our publishing uh, career uh, losing um, Emmy like that, but. Uh, um sherry was really there for us and we've done a few stories with her we've done we've she was there slugging it out in the early days and i always uh, hats off to her and uh, i always appreciate the support that she lent to us as a group uh when you know we suffered some community tragedy she's really cool she's really cool so i gotta yeah. thank her because you said oh i couldn't pick them but i was like i didn't pick him sherry sherry was very <laughs> on all that stuff let's talk yeah. cannabis that's her thing all right now Hi, Canada, and it's H-I-G-H exclamation point. 
Bang! High Canada, Canada Magazine. magazine. We've right, shortened Tim. it to um, HCM right yep. now. We have a long and an interesting career, uh, a tr- publishing career uh, at Canada Magazine. We've just, this is our second issue as a fully legal, fully compliant magazine being distributed through legal shops, legal age verified shops throughout Canada. And um, if I could take you back a minute, we yeah. started off about eight years ago as Rolling Stoned magazine, okay. where it was more in your face. This is cannabis. Love us. Here we come. And this was eight years ago. Okay. And I did um, 10 issues of Rolling Stone. And then um, at the time, I was running a, a gallery uh, in Toronto. And um, I had to take a break. I had picked up a very big um, city contract. I got to hang 5,000 pairs of sneakers off the Badashi Museum as part of their Nuit Blanche 10 for 10 artist celebration. It's Nuit Blanche is an all-night all art celebration. Okay. So I got to be one of the big installations, but there was a morality clause in my contract that I couldn't really be publishing a cannabis magazine in that particular time and place in pre-legalization. Okay. So I took a break for three or four months, did this giant installation, and it was, uh, it was, uh, uh, it, I, what I did is I got people from around the country to send in shoes or bring shoes that night, hang them up on this art bay we built, and then write stories about the shoes, how the shoes, what the shoes reminded them of. And people would talk about their, you know, the last walk they took with their father before he passed on, or these were the shoes I wore when I graduated and went out with my friends and partied uh, and enjoyed myself after I graduated. And, there, and we wound up co- collecting all these stories and people would write them on the soles of the shoes and hang them up. And we had so many like amazing, like thousands of people show up that night to, um, to hang shoes and it was a wonderful thing and then the day after it was done i started high canada magazine like okay i want to work on being a more i saw um in my kensington market gallery neighborhood there were like 15 new dispensary shops and through our rolling stone first attempt i had picked up hundreds of distribution points for the magazine and I knew that uh, it was just exploding in Canada at that time. Every major city, Vancouver, Toronto, Calgary, Halifax, across the board, even as a Saskatchewan, the, the rise of the dispensary market started happening uh, across Canada. And I really, um, I wanted to try to work with this market. It fascinated me and appealed to me on many levels. Um, I thought I'd already was running an arts collective and a gallery and I'd uh, been working as a fine artist for uh, 10 years. I studied, um, I worked as a, uh, my, I had my own graphic design agency for a decade before I got into uh, like curating and uh, really focused on my art. So I took all my life skills, the, everything I've done up till date, uh, up to that point, and just put it into High Canada Magazine. And we have put out a monthly issue ever since. Uh, six years later, we're at issue 66, done a ton of specials as well as 66 monthly issues, a uh, ton of specials. We do a gift giving guide. We're on our sixth annual gift giving guide, which is an insert we always put in our December issue. And as a result, uh, out of that was born our um, High Europe magazine. Uh, yeah. uh, and we started that, uh, we do it, uh, it's quarterly and uh, 
We do very well in Europe and Europe is a giant market and there's a lot of exciting things going on there. We, we attend events and um, we, we try to send out as many magazines as we can. In the works, we have a high Caribbean special that we put on hold and we had ready, but then the Corona hit, Corona crisis hit and we had to put a pin in it. But during the Corona crisis, I've been working on a, with my team, a high South Africa. This cannabis mm-hmm. is huge there. Yeah. Um, and uh, a hemp China, which has been very exciting for us as well, but we, we're, we're nowhere near. It's going to be a special. Um, and uh, so we're, uh, we've been very excited about that. And then because we had all this extra time on our hands during the, the, the quarantines and the lockdowns, we launched Psychedelic Canada magazine. And that is a monthly and that focuses on legal psychedelics within the Canadian and international market and uh, the, how they're going to disrupt a billion dollar industry that is healthcare. So we, I, I have taken a real plant medicine, health and wellness, uh, overall experience uh, approach with uh, the platforms. They're all informational, educational. I'm not like a grow magazine or the magazine we have. They're not like grow magazines you would pick up. They're not full of bud shots. They're about the people involved in the community of cannabis. Uh, mm. They're the people behind the plant, the people behind the licensed producers, the people behind uh, the, the patients or the medical centers or the medical side of it. And uh, we try we try to have a lot of fun with it. I run it like an arts collective. There's a lot of moving pieces and we have like 26 active High Canada magazine, Psychedelic Canada magazine, uh, High Europe magazine team members. And we, because it's the digital age, we, get, we only really get together at the events and every do everything else through video and phone calls. And you know, there are days that I, I do nothing but look at my phone and just like, we have so many team members and so many stories and so many things going on. But I couldn't do anything without my wonderful team. And I only steer the ship as best I can. Um, so, uh, but I think I do a heck of a job. And I really, I do love my job very much. And I love what I do. Uh, we have a great new issue that just dropped yesterday online. That's off at the printer right now. And that, uh, that looks at celebrity endorsement in Canada and how wonky it is. And uh, it's a great cover. I, as an artist, I don't really get to paint as often or sculpt or do anything like that as often as I, I could. Um, so I use the magazine covers and the magazines as my artistic. That's that's the one bit I make sure I contribute every month myself, besides my editorial and you know, gen- doing managing the overall content and feel. Is yeah. I try to do the covers. So cool. uh, I always have a lot of fun with that. Right on. So you said you said the magazines are educational. Um, what kind of education do you, do you, is there a certain type of education, a, a field of the education that you focus on, or is there, do you, do you take something and you focus on it? It's like, I know you say you don't necessarily focus on growing, but maybe you're talking about uh, the we, stories or like the, the, maybe the policy and legislative stories that people have been dealing with, things like that. Now we try to cover at least 30 items, every issue. Now we are monthly and I could easily put out a 200 page issue every single month. So we're always on size and the page constraints, you know, we do between 60, uh, we do between uh, when we're at our heyday and I got all these magazines in front of me where we've done a hundred pages a month. We've done 64 was our 68 was our average right now with the legal magazine, we're at 52 which is, you know, decent. We'll have it up to 100 by the April issue. Um, and what I do is we try to focus on relevant current uh, information. So 
THC uh, versus CBD, sativa versus indica, what grower is growing, what, what they're doing in terms of cultivation, what products are coming to the legal market, or talking about the people behind certain companies and their stories and why they're passionate about cannabis. Now, one thing I always try, or there's a couple of things I try to focus on every issue. Uh, one is our women in weed feature, which we've been doing every issue since our inception, where we focus on a woman in the cannabis industry. And, and we ask the same five questions and we get like an origin story and we find out the, the reasoning behind their entrance into the cannabis industry. And there are so many fascinating, wonderful, inspirational stories that have come out of that series. And then we always try to do like company overviews. And because I'm, I come from more of a grassroots background, I try instead of the bigger companies that don't really need the assist, I try to focus, in, uh, focus on more uh, up and comers or smaller groups or family run businesses or, or more uh, or companies that uh, that's, uh, their, um, their morals and mandates kind of align with what we're doing. So I take a shotgun approach. And every issue, we do 30 items, 30, 30 different things, and over 66 issues, we've covered a heck of a lot of topics. Try to circle back to as many as we can. And there is just, it's, it's such a multifaceted industry on so many levels that even now, 66 issues in, I see no end to the stories, the information, and the education that I can continue to bring forward to the, uh, to the public. That's cool, man. That's very cool. I like the shirt too. Nobody else can see it, but I think that's a cool shirt. I like the eye. It's a, it's a joint. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. I like the merch. I like to wrap the merch. I've always tried to, uh, we got lots of, we're going to be giving away a bunch of t-shirts at the lift conference in Toronto um, on November 17th, 18th, 19th. And then again at the grow up conference in Niagara, uh, November 30th. December 1st. I'm actually speaking at that one. It's one of okay, my first right. things. I'm speaking, uh, I'm hosting uh, the psychedelic portion of the uh, psychedelic summit. They're, they put one day aside as a psychedelic summit and booked some of the most amazing speakers um, in the world, I think, because I sit on the advisory board and I with some pretty uh, awesome people. and We picked some amazing people to speak that day. And I, I was very blessed where they, they asked me to be the host and I uh, offer some of my perspectives so really looking forward to my first uh real big speaking experience so it should should be fun that's cool man now i heard you say do you say the yeah. magazine's available online too online uh highcanada.net and we've been um uploading it to a few platforms like the issue platform online you can always find our our, our magazine at issue.com that's i-s-s-u-u i believe issue um and uh yeah we i always we, i have links everywhere but highcanada.net it's the easiest place to right. download a copy and uh we we plug it every month we're really after 66 issues we're really good at getting the word out about when our issues drop right let me tell you and that's yeah. h-i-g-h h-i-g-h canada.net that that is correct that right is on Hi canada so now when you say i uh, like it rolls what's up that time. I've always liked it. It rolls off the tongue. I um, although we have so many platforms right now, we've we've dropped into acronym mode. So now it's <laughs> HCM, PCM, HEM, um, because you know it's it's a mouthful to say. Hi Canada Magazine, yeah, Psychedelic Canada Magazine, Hi Your Magazine, every single time. And I'm 
I'm a sucker for video. So I've been trying to, you know, not trip over myself all the time. So I've, I, over the last six months, I've dropped into acronym mode. I lived in acronym mode for a couple decades and I still have to delve into it every now and then so I can relate. It's it's uh but you your, your the HCM acronym that's cool. I saw that on on some Instagram posts and I was like that's actually pretty cool. That's 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 Thank a, you. Yeah, man, it looks good. It looks good. Some strong consonant letters you got there, Cy. That's for sure, man. HCM. It's that, it's that exclamation mark that really I know, like, and that's what's cool that. about it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So now I'm going to ask you this. I heard you say when you on the psychedelic side, you said that that will disrupt healthcare system profoundly. Profoundly and, in a global scale. I've, uh, I personally have never seen even cannabis fail. It has been barely compared to what's coming down the line. It may have opened the doors and allowed for, it's allowed for more interest and research when it comes to psychedelics as a whole. And we're talking, there are so many types of psychedelics and there's so much research going on right now. And it's all geared towards uh, healthcare and health and wellness. Yeah. Um, from psilocybin microdosing uh, for Alzheimer's and dementia, okay. reactivating synapses uh, to Crohn's uh, there's, DMT, microdosing, macrodosing, um, ketamine for pain therapy, uh, let's see, ibogaine and ayahuasca for addiction. Um, and then there's, there's just there's so many branches there after that. And there's so much being done within the legal market. And it's all research that we haven't really been doing uh, up or have, have been doing, but more on a more on a new age kind of hippie level as the, the way the world is looking at it. I, I don't consider those bad terms at all, but um, it hasn't really been taken seriously or if it has, it's been always considered fringe culture, but now big pharma, big medicine, big groups, a lot of these groups that were involved in cannabis, the corporation, the, the, uh, the legalization and corporatization of cannabis five years ago have shifted and have now they're, they're, they're turning a lot of their attentions and energies and, and things they've learned uh, with psychedelics into a illegal psychedelic market. And I'm seeing doctors and healthcare practitioners and um, some just big names and across the board getting involved in psychedelics and uh, the psychedelic retreats. And I, I am particularly drawn to the, uh, to the addiction side of it, the treating addiction and mental health side of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel that there are so many uh, opportunities to really help people with psychedelics. And I am hoping that with my magazine, Psychedelic Canada, that I can help destigmatize some of the, uh, the, the public opinion out there about psychedelics, help normalize it when it, in terms to healthcare. You know, there's mm. a big difference between a macrodose that we did in like high school or college where you're eating a, a mouthful of shrooms and then tripping balls for eight hours as opposed to microdosing and actually treating yourself 
um, where you're not you're not tripping. It's not about the tripping. It becomes more about the, uh, the treating yourself and and using the properties of the psychedelics. A different each psychedelic comes with a different property to uh, to heat you, to treat yourself. And now that we're getting the supports put into place with doctors and and clinics and information um, and all these big pharma companies and other companies get, getting involved in the production and research and the development. Uh, let me tell you, it's going to disrupt healthcare in a major way. Okay. And uh, these, uh, even looking at the two of Canada's biggest cannabis conferences, Lyft Expo and the Grow Up Conference, have both added a full day for psychedelics. All right. Um, and the, you know, the business of psychedelic of cannabis is a million, if not billion, dollar industry here in Canada, and to suddenly cut up uh, a third of your programming time to focus on the uh, the new psychedelics market yeah, is, it's is very telling yeah that's uh that's interesting man that's interesting and that one comes out you publish that one quarterly the the psychedelic canada no, psychedelic canada's monthly monthly also we, okay. had, uh, we had our last issue was issue two and we had the very amazing um Ann Barnes from Indica Naturals on the cover that's available for download. You can pick up a copy of that at the, one of the conferences. Um, I can mail you out a copy, Miguel. Yeah, sure, man. <laughs> uh, uh, we have a new, and then our issue three features um, Terry Roycroft, who runs the um, medical marijuana, medical mushroom um, resource center, MMRC, out in Vancouver. Okay. And he's been, uh, he was a big, uh, uh, champion of cannabis during legalization with his MMRCI clinic, which helped people get their medical licenses. Okay. And he's expanded into psychedelics like so many others have because they've, a lot of people have really, I don't know what it's like in the US, but in Canada, people are really uh, starting to open their eyes to the potential and power of uh, what certain psychedelics can do. I'm I'm not completely up to speed on what it's looking like in the U.S., but I can definitely I'm definitely seeing a lot of articles and a lot of talk about doing exactly what you're just talking about treating. But the articles that I'm seeing, and I'm, I'm and I, I pay attention to the veteran world too, and and they seem to be a targeted demographic for treating PTSD. They are. We've done. We we were researching some stories. We've um, teamed up with the Veterans Channel here in Canada, and we're producing some content. Uh, a side project of mine, like I'm not really busy enough, but my team and I feel we can do it. Is our cannabis psychedelic network. So we're working on getting our CRTC licensing and developing a 24-hour a day cannabis and psychedelics network. Uh, with the same flavor of uh, creativity that we do our cannabis with our, our HCM and PCM and, and we're, we've got some cool stuff planned. but it's mind you it's going to probably take a year of planning and production and running around to get to get it launched but stay tuned I'll be back next year plugging my cannabis psychedelic network <laughs> right on man right on that's cool uh, uh, so let me ask you this Sai. what what inspired you to go in the direction of cannabis to begin with? I wanted to make a difference and be in service to other people. And I say this all the time, if you're not in service to your community, then why not? So that's really important to me. That's why I curated an art gallery. Uh, uh, and it was, a, it was an arts collective, not just a gallery. Uh, uh, and I had uh, 30 artists that I really wanted to work with and help teach some of the things that I knew 
and develop mentorship programs and, and find a way to give back to artists. And then when I discovered how big cannabis was going to be and what it did for medical patients and what it did to alleviate so many symptoms, and I kept hearing stories over and over and over again from so many people. And there was one commonality and it was, uh, and then as I did every single interview, every single person I talked to, every business I talked to, they all had this one thing that was that this one theme that ran through it all. And it was that cannabis changed their life made for the better. It added some value. It did something. It relieved some pain. It got rid of a, a benign tumor. It relieved someone's Crohn's uh, symptoms that they've been suffering with. It relieved some anxiety or some pain. And, and then the overwhelming sense of community of tribe of, um, I hadn't seen that since I was a kid or felt that. And I traveled extensively and I saw it in every city and I saw it across Canada and I saw it in Europe and I've seen it in the States and I've seen it in all my travels and it's cannabis has this profound effect. Uh, and it's not just the plant, but it's the, the, the sense of tribe and community behind the plant. It's like, it's kind of like when you're walking your dog by yourself in a park and then you meet somebody and you start talking about your dog and you have a nice conversation but it was the dog that kind of closed that triangle and you you know and dog lovers there are people under themselves they 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 also have a sense of community you go to a dog park in toronto and there's 30 people with their dogs most of them know each other their dogs know each other to find a community and a sense of tribe like that um, in my forties, um, I just jumped on it and I, I've never looked back and I've really, I really, really enjoy that part of the cannabis industry that it's, you can be in service, you can help people, you can make a difference and do good work and breaking stigma is one of the best things I do. I, I work hard. My team works hard. I know so many people who work hard, harder than other people I see in other industries because we have to work twice as hard to break the stigma that that's out there that we're lazy stoners we're we get dabbed out and don't do anything that we're that uh, there were hippies or you know degenerates or all that stuff that came out of the reefer madness era yeah. uh, and psychedelics is the same way so I take that battle on happily um just um just on the interest of doing good things we I just want to mention um my my magazine, our magazine, we um we try to do really good things out there. I run cannabis substitution programs for the last two and a half years in Surrey and Langley because it's important that the magazine give back to the community in that way. And there is well, you I don't said know about substi substitution programs. What is, what is a substitution program? So um, I don't know what the opiate crisis is like in the U.S., but well, it's, it's not good. It's bad. I, I haven't I haven't heard a whole lot about it lately. But when in, I'm sure when election season comes around, we'll hear something more about it, right? And probably uh, something more about ahead. cannabis too. When you know the, the election season comes around in another year, oh, I mean, sure. obviously it's going to sure. be well, the next year is going to be wild. In Canada, the opiate crisis hit us hard, and Corona hit even harder. Um, and people, marginalized homeless uh, population, has grown in a crazy amount. Um, I was reading some stats recently that said um, overdose deaths, deaths, because bad supply is a big thing right now. The borders shut down. A lot of people who had drug addiction issues uh, were switched over because they they started dying of overdose. Um, 
A lot of the people we work with as a group last year, we lost 30 people to a fentanyl overdose. 30 oh people, gosh. man. And we had a, only a group of 60. So that was whew, half of our people just uh, over a three-month period, overdose, overdose, over. It, it was really bad. Um, it was really bad again this year. And between January and July uh, of this year in British Columbia, there were like 12,000 overdose, overdose, overdose deaths. And it's bad supply. And there's there, there, I was listening to uh, some interviews on the CBC, our big, um, our big radio station over here, how we're going to be, BC is going to be actually decriminalizing possession of most, uh, most narcotics or all our narcotics up to four and a half grams. So that if the people who are at least if they're, if they're dying of overdose, they don't also have to be worried about getting arrested for we're holding on to small amounts. So they're, they're trying some harm reduction things here in British Columbia with the decriminalizing of small amounts. I believe it's up to four and a half grams. Uh, you can have total of a combination of things. So they're trying to address it there and they're starting all these clean drug supply programs out here. But there are so many people on the streets and fentanyl and crystal meth are horrible drugs and they're it's really mucking people up out there yeah. so we've been trying to use cannabis and cbd products and there's a lot of a lot of company a lot of other groups that do this across canada we set up cannabis substitution programs where we okay. go out there in the gotcha. community cool. we give out very cool cannabis products and information and support and try to get them to switch over with yeah. some support um there's a i know there's a group um in white rock that did a um, an AA cannabis friendly, a cannabis friendly uh, uh, AA with a J program that had some amazing success. That they they tied plant medicine and cannabis, medicinal cannabis, in uh, because it's great for reducing anxiety and withdrawal and a whole bunch of things. And yeah. with the right support, I have seen cannabis do wonders for even like people who've been like hooked on heroin for like ten years. They had to bring them back from the edge along with guidance and support and a good AA program or a good, the, the right uh, kind of a support group for them. So, so you guys um, with High Cannon Magazine, you're participating in that cannabis substitution program. We, we, we run two, one in the city of Langley and one in the city of Surrey. And then I run it personally and I, I layer in art programming and mm -hmm. cannabis substitution information and and actually, we just launched um, this this new issue. We um, I, I'm doing a big fundraiser, a coat and jacket drive, and I have a dispensary, a legal dispensary in Toronto accepting coats and jackets. That's Cannabis Hut in Scarborough, okay. and then Weeds, uh, the Weed Store in Vancouver, is also going to be accepting uh, jackets and boots. So we're doing a big jacket and boot clothing drive. And then in both cities, I've uh, the the, the West Coast one is going to benefit my these two programs that I work with. Uh, I can't really say their names, but uh, okay. a, for confidentiality, but that's uh, all right. a great that's group. All right. yeah. I put some some beautiful photos of us as a group. I'm in my editorial this month to kind of call to action. And I'm doing video content, trying to raise awareness for homelessness and do uh, get some stuff, some support going. Because I feel the cannabis industry could use a, a few more good causes. And it's cold out there and wet. And yeah. there are so many homeless people that are breaking my heart that I feel we need to do something. We do a little more. So we're set, heading into our big seasonal push to do, try to do something and inspire the rest of our community to also get out there and start doing stuff. That's cool, man. That's cool. You do yeah. a lot of stuff, Sai. That is a lot of stuff, man. That's a lot. Seriously, uh, that's a lot. 
Thanks, man. <laughs> and you do it all from the mountains of British Columbia, man. You know, but I have a team. I have a team. I just want to remind you, it's not just me. Oh, um, I know. I, I have a team. I have dogs, and my my son. It's a family business. My son it's is cool. a big part of it as well. My son Xander. Uh, shout outs to Dave, who's my big uh, my my left hand out here. Uh, he's my BC editor, and Rainbow, who's my Vancouver editor, and Tammy, who runs Ontario along with Sabrina and Ed and the other Sabrina. You're two Sabrinas. <laughs> How do you keep um, them straight, man? <laughs> Mercada and Craig. You don't call them by the first letter of their last name, do you? Oh, man. You see, when I send out group emails, it's like, okay. I Actually, I was registering media passes for the um, these two events coming up. And let me tell you, it took me like half a day. <laughs> Typing in all the media passes, the names, emails, contact. What do they do? Oh my God. So did you grow up with a religion or a worldview when you were a kid growing up? You did? I did. What'd you grow up with, man? I was a little bit of everything. My my parents worked in old folks homes as an orderly and a nurse's assistant. So they had they worked at a number of places. We were rural, uh, rural Manitoba and we were Mormon for first. uh, My first memory of uh, organized religion was these nice young men, uh, the elders. uh, They were from Wisconsin. They would come by the farm and do Bible study with us and tell us about the Book of Mormon and the Bible. And they'd work with my dad would also have them. They would work with my dad during the day. We'd have a big meal with them. We did some Bible study and we became part of the Mormon church for a number of years. And then um, I was Baptist for a while uh, because my parents, I, I was baptized Mormon, but then my parents switched nursing homes and the, the consensus there was more of a Baptist flavor. So I got to go to some Baptist churches for a couple of years. Um, uh there were a few others we, i jumped around I, I became very interested uh I, I went to a catholic public school uh mm-hmm. in richer manitoba which was also helped um fill in some of my uh unique religious upbringing um my dad i came from a big family and we were there was a lot of different interests um and then um i married uh i grew up as growing up i i was very interested in religion and god and i have a deep personal connection with God myself I always have uh, I talk to him every day since I was since I can remember um and I was married united went to a unitarian church for a little while when my kids were little um okay. and to have developed more of a a more evolved view I went to the University of Toronto I even thought for a little while when I first got married that I might become a united church uh, uh, minister because uh, oh, wow. you know okay. you're still allowed to become be married and I was you know I had done a lot of reading yeah. uh, and then I took a bad turn in um, my 40s and I did some jail time and I had took that opportunity to like read the Tehran and learn a little bit more about Eastern religions and uh, uh, about the Muslim faith and Hindu faith and uh that helped round out a lot of my education as well um i did not want to become uh i didn't want to go into service in that way uh after that uh i i I figured that i i can go into service uh i i i do service now within my cannabis community and a a global one at that yeah so 
But um, every once in a while, I think I, I like to talk. And I think, you know, sometimes perhaps I sermonize a little bit. I, I could see how I could have gone down that path, but I do love what I do now. But the, in a nutshell, that's kind of my, my religious background. I took some courses in university on, in theology and I did a lot of, I'm an avid reader. Um, yeah. What right. else can I tell you there? Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. It, the way you deliver it, it, it flows, man. It flows, but that's a lot of stuff you went through. I mean, you're talking about uh, the nomination of Mormonism and then Baptists and then mm -hmm. Catholicism. Those are three. And then uh, you said uh, Unitarian, right? Unitarian United. My, um, my father-in-law and my boy, I was a United Church minister, not just um, when I married, when I met my, my, my wife. We're not together anymore. We we're Together for 10 years, we had two beautiful boys together and we amicably uh, divorced about uh, 15 years ago. And her father was a United Church minister in a small town in Ontario. And uh, so, you know, when you when you get together with someone, usually you not only get together, I'm sure you and your wife and your, your wife's family, right? So they became a big part of my life for a long time. Yeah. So it was interesting that I go to his... I, give out the best sermons. I was married there. The entire community turned out to come to my wedding. I was a young man. I got married early. I was 21. Oh, wow. Uh, when I, got, I was very early. I'm 53 now. And it's like, I, I would advise my young uh, son who's 23 to wait. And my older son who's 30, wait, because <laughs> I wasn't ready at 21. <laughs> but hey, I have my boys. So that, that's fine. It, it all worked out. So the way you, when you view the world now, in terms of, it doesn't, it, do, you, do you attend a church or, or any type of faith, or is it more about spirituality? Something, I, something I like that? I you don't know? have a current congregation. My mom passed away in December of this year, uh, very aggressive lung cancer. I went home to uh, Toronto and visited, uh, Spencer. I got there, I was blessed, I was allowed to I was there when she passed on. I was holding her hand and listening to her favorite music. And um, I popped into a few churches in my travels because they live in um, they live in Clinton, Ontario, which is a couple hours away from Toronto. And I there's a couple places I went. Um, I didn't really matter to me what the denomination was, but I, I went to take some time to reflect and to and to you know touch base with God during my grief. I did that in a church in uh, Clinton. Another one in Stratford and then one at Ch King and Church in Toronto that I like to sit in. I believe that uh, I think that's a Lutheran church there, if I'm not mistaken, or an Anglican. It's a beautiful big church, uh, a very old one um, in Toronto at uh, King and Church. Very beautiful. You'd like it. Right on, man. Right on. So I heard you say you do you do talk to God daily. And I do. I have a deep personal connection with God. And I have since I was a little boy. Um, I, I when I'm, you know, having particularly bad times, I, I because of my Catholic school upbringing, I know the Lord's Prayer by heart. And I um, but I have great conversations with God. Um, I'm also a bit of a Santa Murta devotee. But I believe that is a pathway to me for my faith in God. And I I, uh, I picked that up in my travels over the last couple of years. And what Which is, is a funny thing, I know, yeah, but um, well, what is it? What help us understand what that is? It's um, 
I like to think, you know, you know, you know, the idea of patron saints, you know, St. Francis and okay. she's Santa Marta is more like the patron saint of sinners, uh, the lost things of uh, of maybe the uh, the more marginalized people in our, our people who are turning their lives around or, you know, or working to something better. And I she really resonates with me and I tie her into my faith like a saint. Uh, and I uh, she's very big in Mexico and uh and El Salvador and a few other uh, Latin America countries. And I really just, she really, the, the con, her, her idea of, uh, she just really resonates with me and with my, my, I guess my style of faith. And I, I tie it in the last couple of years with my discussions with God. Um, I, I, so it's, it's I, I feel my faith is always evolving. And now that I've, I've been involved in psychedelics for a um, number of years now, and that has also helped define or refine some of my theological uh, perspectives. Um, DMT trips in particular uh, offer an out-of-body experience that doesn't last very long. You could be, you could, it's almost like daydreaming and you're gone, you're in your, you're out of body for 30 seconds, 10 seconds even, but your out-of-body experience could feel like a 20 minute experience, but you really just daydreamed for 10 or 15. And uh, there's some, you have these profound visual, uh, visual um, experiences that, you know, quite frankly, could, I could see how these things could be perceived as visions. And if I were chewing on a DMT root as part of a religious ceremony in, you know, 320 AD, I could see how uh, a psychedelic experience well, that, just as valid as anything else could be perceived or, or described or interpreted as a vision. Because, uh, you know, we've been using, I, I see peyote being used in native ceremonies yeah. for, gener for, for decades, for centuries, centuries. And it's the same thing with uh, iboga in Brazil um, or, uh, or Argentina or, uh, you know, cocoa leaves and other places and cannabis as well. Um, so I know in the Western Hemisphere, I, I haven't studied it a whole lot in um, in uh, outside of the Western Hemisphere, but the native indigenous people always use those things with spirituality and a life beyond a life. A, there, there was a belief system attached to it. It was, it was for them. It was. For many of the for many of those nations, many of the tribes, it was it was a spiritual. It, it was their shaman. It was, it was their spiritual leader, looking for answers on where the people are to go next. What is to what are they to do? What are and they we're best to look, but to look within, or 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 to look outward using. And I see it more as a, a conduit to the divine. Uh, to a certain degree, because you can use that as an access point. You know. Um, to address to address stuff like that and everybody's psychedelic experience can be different i'm not saying everybody's going to be able to 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 can to get in touch with the uh, with the uh with um or, or co-create with spirit or, or yeah. get in touch with the higher power but you certainly have a much better chance let me tell you and if you're going into it from a spiritual perspective for me, there's a lot more safety and uh, comfort knowing that I'm, I'm not kind of drifting out there in the psychedelic universe uh, in the sci space uh, without an without some sort of spiritual anchor. Um, and that, that that's 
You know, <clears throat> I haven't really talked with many guests about it a whole lot. You're probably the one who have talked about it the most. Actually, one, Kia Baker, she had participated in uh, some microdosing for PTSD. And had great success with it. And uh, and you're right, man. And, that, and that's the thing that's kind of when I hear about the psychedelics and I hear, uh, yeah, we want to we want to we want to work on veterans and kind of it, it, it gives me a little bit of pause because of exactly what we've just been talking about. Like culture has been doing this for thousands of years, probably, you know, thousands of years. These plants have been around since, in yeah. my opinion, since creation, they're part of creation. And uh, they tied a, a very articulated belief system to those experiences. And there were, they were, they were the, the purpose of it was not to party. The purpose of it was, to look for answers in this life. And the Absolutely. shaman was responsible for doing that for the whole, for the, for the people, not just the individual, not just himself or herself, but the people. And that, that part, you know, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm like really curious to see what the psychedelics looks like when it rolls out, because I'm kind of like, well, I am a little terrified about the corporatization of right? psychedelics. That's kind of, that's a big one. Right because I've seen it happen with um, cannabis already, a profits over patients. And I, I frankly, quite frankly, that disgusts me. Um, and I, I see it already happening with the, in the psychedelic space, but I also hear enough intelligent discord and discord uh, like conversation going on that I think there will be enough people in place to challenge it, um, that to not allow it to be so corporate, so, and more, more health and wellness focused, more spiritually based. That's my hope. And that's what I'm going to continue to fight for. for there sure. you go, man. There you go. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Si, so I got another question for you, man. And I, I, I don't know how you're going to answer this one. I'm not sure the universe and all life in it is it the result of a series of accidents or no way. is there an intelligent designer behind it there is an intelligent design there has to be the universe is like okay it, it's 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 such i'm going to use this term a lot because i love this term multifaceted it is so complex the 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 chances of of it being a, 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 mil, a billion to one series of happy accidents. Um, I, I just, that doesn't resonate with me. That, that, that just falls flat. Um, there is a, there has to be an intelligent design um, as someone who, who talks to God daily and, you know, God's never really responded to me personally, but God has responded in other ways. I, I know God is around me. I, I know that I am protected and loved and cherished and, and I, and I try to, put that back out into the world and that yeah. resonates and i feel that belief deeply and truly in my in my in, down to my gut in my soul I, in my heart of hearts i know that but you know the other statement that it's were it's just a series of accidents that like i said that falls flat to me same here man it, the complexity of of the human body and the complexity of this life you know I've heard, and I've said it a couple of times, maybe one or two times, it, and I can't remember, I do not remember who said it. So this is not mine. I'm not, this is not mine, but this, I can't remember the person who said it, but it's something to the, something to this effect 
uh, a tornado blows through a warehouse of all these mixed parts, you know, just nothing, just parts, right? And then when the tornado leaves, a 747 that works perfectly was the result of it. And it's kind of like, ah, man, that, that, that that's kind of hard to... It's kind of hard to fathom, but it's interesting. It is interesting. So let me ask you this one. And this one I did not give you. I did not give you on ahead of time, but it's not, you know, it's not going to be a zinger. Don't worry. But I I think you're going to, I think you're going to like it. This is why I was like, I'm going to aside this one. I'm not going to give this to him. I'm not going to like this one. All right, man. So when we die, is there a price to pay? Is this life a free ride? Is it a free ride or is is there something to pay? Can we even pay it? Did Jesus pay it for whosoever believes what do you what do you think man i think jesus paid it i'm uh i i think it's not a free ride i think we're accountable for all of our actions in this life um i think it's important that we strive to to listen to and follow the teachings of the bible of jesus in particular to be you know to be good to be you know to be better people to be challenged, to challenge ourselves, to challenge our neighbors. To ch- I, I raised my boys to have um, nothing but, uh, you know, to be good people, to not be misogynists, to not, to not be hateful, to not be racist, to, to, you know, to turn the other cheek when possible, to always give back to their community, to never, you know, to, to follow these rules of kindness and, uh, and I think if you're not gonna, if you're gonna live a bad life, there, there's gonna be some retribution, karmic retribution, universal res- retribution. If you want to condemn yourself to to, uh, to eternity of, of hellfire and damnation, well, uh, you know, I don't know what happens next. But if you're gonna live a bad, you know, if you're gonna live a bad life. I, I'm quite certain that it's gonna come back to you in some way, shape, or form. If you're gonna live a good life, I think you will, you will find that it's the right path and there greater rewards will come and it's not you shouldn't live a better life just for greater you should live a better life to be a good person because that's the right thing to do without mm-hmm. any worry about going to heaven or there being another reward but i i kind of in my heart of hearts feel that there is that there's you know, more i saw uh, a uh, part of our our journey you said something and um when you're talking about you said i think jesus paid it and that it's something I was not expecting to hear from you, Sai. I was not sure how you're what your thoughts were going to be on Jesus, actually. Because a lot of people I like do, Jesus. A lot of people I, I do. What's that? I do. I like Jesus. Um the la when I a lot of my Mormon prayers, it was uh it was a lot of go through Jesus to God. It was Jesus was a conduit, uh, was your doorway into God. I go, you know, and uh they did a lot of teachings on um Jesus's sacrifice and you know the taking on the sins of mankind and the crucifixion and the resurrection. And I always, and I love Jesus's teachings. I'm like, what a cool dude. <laughs> what a, you know, this guy, he, he just, he taught some wonderful things. He was way ahead of his time. And, um, but I still think that individually we are still, even though he it was such a great sacrifice and he died for our sins, we've had millions and millions and millions of people since then. It's a lot of sins for Jesus to die for. I think that we all also hold an accountability for our own and I don't think we can put it off um, or expect Jesus to carry hundred percent of that load. So I'll, I'll think of it. So this is, what's that? 
Does that make sense? It does. It does. And and here's as you were talking, I was thinking of um, in Genesis about Abraham and Lot. So Abraham, Abraham was made righteous by faith just simply because he believed God's what he told him. He he was he believed God. Okay. I believe God. So there was no. This is all pre Ten Commandments, right? Abraham didn't live under the Ten Commandments, so he was made. He was under a form of grace, and and God told him. He said, "Go." I can't remember what he said. He said, "Leave, leave the uh, the land of your family and go to some place." I can't remember what it was. And he's like, "And just take your family with you." And he breaks the rule right then and there. And he's like, "I'm taking my nephew," because he's you kind of and, and I'm 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 guessing at what he's thinking, right? He's like, "Leave my whole family, okay." but I want somebody to come with me. Somebody with skin on to come with me. So he disobeys God right away and brings his, his nephew lot. And, you know, they're living, they have their, their two families. They, they, they start to grow and they start bumping up against each other land and stuff. And lot goes to Sodom and Gomorrah and, and he was righteous. And when Sodom and Gomorrah was, was destroyed, this is the funny, this is not the funny, but it's like, wow. Why didn't Abraham, Abraham kept saying, well, would you, would you not destroy these cities if there's 50 righteous people in them? And God says, I won't do it if there's 50. So Abraham's negotiating with him, right? Because he's trying to save his nephew and his nephew's family. And he gets down to like 10 and, and he keeps saying, God, just, just please don't get mad at me, God, but would you do it for just 10? He, so he's like 50, uh, 20, 10, you know, he's, he's like trying to get it down to, and then he stops. He stops. Because I think if he would have gone down to one, he would have said, I'll do it if there's one righteous person. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's, the, you know what I mean? So that was Abraham. Abraham stopped at 10. A lot of people say, well, God is the one who did it. Abraham was the one and God was, he was saying, okay, I won't destroy it if there's 50. I won't destroy it if there's, and, God, and, and I believe, I don't recall correctly, I, I, Exactly. I'm going to have to go back and read that story. I like that story. You, you tell it very well. But it's right uh, at 10. And if Abraham would have said, what if there's only one righteous person in, in that city? Would you say, I think I, I have to believe that God would have said, yes, I'll, I will. I will not destroy I agree it. With there's you. one righteous person there. One, at least one. And That's then, all it takes. And, the tide going sometimes. and then the, and then so the, the, the two angels come into to the city to get Lot and his family, right? And this yeah. is this is the kind of thing that, that you'll see you'll see how I'm tying this in 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 a, in a second here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Lot is his his life is a mess. Lot's life is a mess. He's willing. There's some people that want to come in, and they want to they want to they want to rape these two angels that came to save abraham's family and they're saying we want those guys bring them out we want them right now lot lot his thinking is so screwed up that he says take my virgin daughters but don't take these two men that's how he's reasoning that's horrible right that is horrible but the crazy thing <clears throat> now his life was a mess so he's living with the consequences of this stuff daily right you know what i mean yeah, and yeah so, so then when they leave sodom and gomorrah they go they like he his his wife turned back this is all in genesis his wife turned back pillar of salt daughter two daughters go with him and 
they get him drunk and each each night after night they get him drunk and they sleep with him so they can have a so he can they can conceive a baby because they think that their their bloodline's gonna the bloodline's yeah. gonna drive you know there's a fear there there's a fear there but it's kind of like where would his daughters get the idea where would these ideas you know how do these ideas come to the point where it's kind of like so my point is this lot's life is miserable and it's because he chose not to walk in a certain I'm, let me put it this way it's kind of hard to say because abraham i like when i point out the story abraham broke what god told him to do from the very beginning but he was under grace and he's like look i know you're gonna and that's the thing about grace and that's the difference between grace and law and and this is where and 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 i'm talking about le- uh the ten commandments i'm not talking about civil law or anything like that yeah no no yeah, yeah i get that so Abraham or Lot had the same righteousness as Abraham. But it's like he really wasn't walking in the fullness of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and you get what I'm saying? So so when Lot died, he still went to heaven. He was still righteous. Or else he if he was not righteous in God's eyes, he would not have been allowed to be saved. Now, this is the funny thing about this is the funny thing about all that is that. You are an interesting cat, man. You're an interesting cat because your story, I'm like, oh, wow, this is really amazing, man. And and it's like, I think a lot of people are going to be in heaven. I think so, too. I think I'm, I'm a bit of an optimist, too, yes. the way I, 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 I believe in the best in people. I do. I honestly believe that there is no life out there that cannot be turned around. You know, at my worst, when I got out of jail, I had some hard times, man. I can I imagine. Bad. And that's what I'm saying, man. I You've been through a bit. Blessed. I had no money. All my possessions that had been in storage, well, my storage wasn't paid. I, I came up with nothing. And I've had to rebuild. And it, let me tell you, I've seen, seen some stuff out there that haunts me to this day. But I still believe in the power of people and uh, how important it is to be in service and to give back and to you know just try to make a difference in as many lives as you can you don't have to and you know i try to do it in a bigger way but i think regular every bit everybody else you know just small act, random acts of kindness or following some of these teachings and being kind and being a better person and thinking about people who are who or who are in need these things are these things are important um yeah and i i don't like the i don't like the term righteous <laughs> Oh, it depends. Uh, I don't. For some reason, it rubs me wrong. Go ahead, go ahead man. Sorry, you go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I interrupted you. Let's go. You don't like the term righteous? As... Tell me why. I don't know. It comes across a little uh, arrogant. Know, something about arrogant. A little airy. A little airy because you know. So too often, you know, we have good intentions. People. Okay, so this is something I learned in jail. People mistake kindness for weakness. That can happen. And. Yeah. It happens frequently, happens in jail, happens out on the street, yeah. happens in the li- life, happens, happens all the time. And or they dismiss people who are kind as being righteous flakes or Bible thumpers or and they're quick to dismiss. And when it boil it all down, it just comes up to being a good person, you know, uh, and, you know, having a higher power, and believing in something more to me, you can boil it right down to that. And uh, so the terms like righteous, I think, kind of scare people away from 
the idea of Christianity as a whole? Is it's I, I think I see. I think about that. It's, maybe it's early in the morning, so maybe I'm not like articulating. Let, let me think on this. I'll go. Let me. Let me. I think. I, I think. I, I get what you're saying. I think I get what you're saying. So first, let me say this. I know. I know that there are people who are atheists and agnostics that are outstanding citizens. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing against that at all. So I'm not. I'm not trying to make any claims that because sometimes when it comes to the word righteous. It, it can carry an air of arrogance to it, depending on how the person is thinking of it, right? So now, when it comes true, to righteousness, when, when it comes to righteousness in Christ, is we can't earn it. We can't deserve it. We can't work for it. It's a free gift because, and this yeah, is, this right. goes back to, this is where, this, this is where, this is where I do, when it comes to, when, when that question, when I asked it, this all ties back to that question. Is this life a free ride? Is there something to pay at the end, right? That's why we're all talking about all this, right? So when I, this is where I'm saying for somebody, and this is for somebody who believes in Christ, he paid it. He paid it. Now, this is the amazing thing about Christ. And I, and I believe he paid 100% of it. And here's why. Okay. You know the term 11th hour Jesus, right? Have you heard that term? I have. That's when you're on your deathbed, or you're about to be. You're then you discover. Uh, you discover. You discover God. You discover Jesus. You repent. You you devote your life to Jesus at the the last minute to perhaps ensure now, yourself a spot in heaven. Now I've heard of it told that way too, and I used to think of it that same way also. Okay. And, and now I think of it this way. What kind of God would give? A creation who turned its back on its maker up until its very last breath of life to consent to be loved by their maker. That's like, you know what I mean? So, so this is where this is where Hinduism yeah. and Buddhism really, this is where Hinduism, Buddhism, and Islam, and even uh, maybe even Judaism falls short because it's a lifelong, it's it's your whole life. And when you get to the end, it's did your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds? Mm. And that's kind I, of, yeah. And, and that's, that's what's different about Christ is that he's saying your deeds can't even get you in. Your good deeds can't get you in. Well, it's not, you shouldn't you shouldn't just be doing good deeds for the sake of doing good deeds. I'm, I'm yeah. just uh, I would think devoting your life to a life of kindness and doing doing the right, being the best kind of person you can be, and not dipping into too much hate or any hate if you can, and not like sleeping with like your best friend's wife and not, you're not stealing when you're out there and not like, you know, being a horrible person. That, that is the right thing to do, but you should be doing it at the promise of a reward of eternal, eternal life at the end. Uh, I don't think that's right either. I agree with you there too. And I agree with you there too. And that's the thing about it is that a little contrived, right? What, and if I, what, you know, what I people believe do in try. a loving God who's uh, who, and an omnipotent God, and even when God uh, asked uh, Lot and Abraham, he knew what their answer was going to be. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, I believe that. And, you know, um, I believe that a loving God would forgive all of his creation up until that very last second. He would believe in them, believe in that spark that they have enough to turn, even, you know, right up to that last second. I believe my loving God would be OK with that. You know, and that's like. You know, that's that that's where I'm like, that is really that's a really loving God, because like that's what I'm saying. It's like if if that were not so, then he's saying then it would be OK, you lifted your you lived your whole life and you blew it 
And now that you're at your end, you realize you blew it and you can't undo it because you don't have the righteousness of Christ. But he says, I will give it to you. I will give it to you. Even if it's your last breath that you accept me loving you, I'll give right. it to you. And that's what I'm saying. I do think there's going to be a lot more people in heaven because when we look at people with our eyeballs, there's all kinds of different ways to assess a person. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. People make a lot of judgments. Right? The first impression is a, is a lot. You know, talking to someone the first time or, you know, I, I agree there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Isaiah wrote about Christ, a bruised reed he will not break. We're all bruised reeds. We're all bruised reeds. We're all made in his image. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just add something to what you're saying about being good to people. And the reason why it's not for rewards. It's because when I realize, and I'll use myself as an example, when I realize, man, when I'm thinking about salvation and I'm like, okay, I have to earn it. I have to do all these things to earn it. It's all, it's like, you, you never, you're only doing your own assessment of, okay, well, what bad thing did I do to offset the good stuff that I did? Now, because of that, should I count on bad luck coming my way? Should I cut on bad karma, good karma? And that's where it's kind of, it, it gets very, it gets very weird. And a lot of people do hodgepodge some worldviews together. And um, when it comes yeah, to, yeah. I did it too, man. I did it too. I was like, you know, I hear it's people. It's a global, it's a big world. We're connected is, on man. levels uh, through like just, our, we carry around a supercomputer that connects us globally. It, yeah. It's hard. I see it happening all the time. The hodgepodging of worldviews. I think it's, it's interesting and fascinating. And, but uh, it's definitely a big thing happening right now. It is. It is. And this is where I'm kind of like, okay, if I can't, if I can't earn it, when I had that revelation of, Jesus paid for the fallenness of mankind and he made it easy. I don't have to go climb a mountain. I don't have to run two or three marathons back to back. I heard something, man, but you're good. I don't have to, I don't have to go and perform something. I don't have to go in and work for it because there's no way I could work for it to earn it. The only way I can receive it is by believing that Jesus is who he says he is. And loves me the way he says he loves me. And so when, I had a technical difficulty for half a second. I, I know. I heard. I, I saw you. Yeah, yeah. I am so sorry. That's all right. That's I all right. I'm going to try to recap it just so listeners don't. <laughs> so, so that, that is it, man. When I, when I'm like, wow, I can't do anything to save myself, but he made me, he doesn't need me, but he loves me. That's right. And he, and he proved it. He came down into the form of a creation that he made in his image and was completely disrespected and allowed himself to be killed. Allowed himself to be killed because that is the only way to redeem mankind with that blood. Human blood wouldn't do it. Fallen blood. Now, this yeah. is something that's, I'm just going to, I'm going to add this in because it's interesting. Science has proven that none of the mother's blood goes into the baby. None of the okay. mother's blood goes into the baby. And, and for theological reasons, that matters because if human sinful human blood was in the son of God, well, then he'd have sin in him as well. Oh, and he wouldn't be able to uh, sacrifice Precisely. himself. Yes. Okay. The blood, I see that. The blood, I get that. Okay. The blood, the blood would be, the blood would have sin in it, right? 
And yeah. science has proven that the mother's blood doesn't enter the baby. So we go to the immaculate conception. So um, it's just when, I don't, I don't want to get out of, there's a little digression I wanted to share, but I'm going back to that point yeah. of, of really loving yeah. God. And, and when I think, when, when I, when people ask me, why are you doing this? Cause I get a lot of people like cannabis and Christianity, the people in the cannabis are kind of like, I don't like the word Christianity. Some of them, not all of them, some of them. I've been running into a few. I've been, I, I, I was so hyped too when I got the invite and uh, I've been promoting it on our social media channels and I've been talking about it a lot. And, you know, there's a few reactions I was kind of surprised at. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that uh, we're having such a great discussion and I'm hoping this will kind of help break some of that uh, misconception and stigma about putting, you know, that some of the cannabis community does have about Christianity. I am not looking for uh, a tournament or a chance to get into heaven. I, I love God and I believe God loves me. And I feel that that grace and that that's enough for me. And me being a good person is how I was raised raised um and i'm going to continue to be a good person because i i want up i also want god to love me <laughs> you does, know man. so it's a, it's a mixed bag right it does i know it's i a, want it to be uh, and, and <laughs> you know what man the, the cool thing is that it's it's all personal it is it, it is and a very personal thing and and that's and that's the thing is like so a lot of things and, and people like when I talk to some Christians, they don't like the word cannabis in the title. Right. So it goes both ways. Right. So I am really thankful yeah. for you, Sai, because you are a unique cat, man. You're a unique cat, man. It's it's I'm enjoying this is really cool. And uh, yeah, I think, man, you are I'm enjoying our enjoying our chat. I don't get to talk about my faith very often. Um, and I, 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 I know a lot of people across Canada, across the U.S., across uh, Europe. I have a very small circle. Um, that I, that, so it's nice to have the opportunity to talk about faith and uh, talk about my relationship with God, my worldviews, and just, you know, have the opportunity to talk about some of the, the things I do and the things that, you know, I'm doing in Langley and Surrey. So I, I appreciate that very much as well. Absolutely, man. And you're the publisher and editor of High Canada Magazine, baby. <laughs> you know what? I made my dream job. It was gifted to me um i cannot i'm i'm you know what it, uh, it allows me to live my very best life and i'm very thankful for it you know, you know we just celebrated our thanksgiving and it was one of the things i'm thankful for and i'm constantly thanking god for the the blessings that have been bestowed upon me Amen, uh, man. i have a great life and i might my i have a lot of fun doing it too it's not uh and as you imagine uh editing and publishing uh, a psychedelic and cannabis magazine you should see what my fridge looks like <laughs> <laughs> a lot of magnets and notes a lot of sticky notes magnets, magnets notes and i am um, you know I, I have a sweet tooth so i have one shelf that's non-infused uh treats and one that is and it's right on uh, the warning symbol across my fridge be very careful <laughs> right on that's cool man that's <laughs> yeah, cool. That well, si, I want to give you the last word, man. I'm going to give you whatever you want to say to anybody. It's like about anything, man, about anything. Well, uh, when, uh, when is this uh, podcast dropping? Oh, we're going to, this is going to be November 17th. Oh, so this is for the Lyft Expo. So all our, all of my friends in the Canadian and international cannabis industry who are going by the Lyft Expo in Toronto, uh, November 17th, 18th, 19th. Um, we have a booth at the Lyft Expo. Come by, say hi. I'll load you up with magazines. Um, we can step outside and have a little session. So 
I'd, I'd love to. I'm really promoting our uh, our goodwill programs at Lyft and Grow Up. Uh, so, um, yeah, this is going to drop the day of Lyft. So please come out and see us. And then two weeks after this drops is the Grow Up Conference. And we'll also have a booth there in Niagara Falls. Uh, and we'll be talking psychedelics and cannabis all weekend long. I'm hosting the Psychedelics Summit on the 1st of December. So that should be a lot of fun. Make sure you come out there. Any, any, of, the, any of our wonderful listeners who are either in Toronto or Niagara this month, please come on out. And I just want to say one more time, thank you for having us uh, or having me on the show. Absolutely, uh, man. Absolutely. And one more, I want to, I want to, if you're not in Canada and you can't get to one of those stores where you can pick up one of size magazines, it's oh. highcanada.net, right? That's right. You can download it for free from highcanada.net. You can buy a copy and have sent out to you if you like for $10. Um, if you're a store, a legal store in Canada or internationally that wants to give the magazine away for free, you can also order bundles of a hundred. So right on. lots and of fun. It's H-I-G-H Canada dot That's right. H-I-G-H Canada dot net. Uh, really easy to find us. I Google High Canada magazine. I guarantee you see my smiling face. Right on. And look for them on Instagram. What's your what's your what's your handle on Instagram? Uh, let's see. Uh, if you just High Canada magazine, um, HCM, we have a, a High Canada community page as well on Instagram. Uh, High Canada on Facebook. Canada High on Twitter. Um, and psychedeliccanada.net uh, if you want to check out our Psychedelic Canada magazine. Right on. Well, from the mountains of Mission, British Columbia, Canada, Cy Williams. All right. Editor Thanks, Miguel. This was great. Absolutely. Of High Canada magazine, High Europe magazine, and Psychedelic Canada magazine. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. Thank you all for your time. It's Thanksgiving month, y'all. It's Thanksgiving month. Love it. I love you. See ya.